scripture reading is from James 1, 17 through 23. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. For his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creations. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Good evening. It's time that we engage in a period of our Bible study. I invite you to be taking out your Bibles and studying along with us this afternoon as we seek to come to a better understanding of the Word of God. It is always a pleasure to be able to worship our God and to consider some things from His Word and focus our minds on spiritual matters for a little while of our time. We're thankful for the presence of each and every one here. We're thankful that you have an interest in spiritual things and that you want to draw closer to God and with a better understanding of His will. One of the first things that we teach someone that they must do if they're going to become a Christian is that they have to hear God's Word. And we all know that, as Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that he said, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. That faith is built and founded upon hearing God's Word. And yet, if any of us are, if we're all honest with ourselves, we could all probably easily admit that that is easier said than done at times because sometimes it's a real challenge to listen and to hear. But one thing that becomes a struggle sometimes is how do we listen? It's one thing to say that we need to listen, but how are we supposed to listen? And so I kind of somewhat jokingly call this how to listen to a sermon and uh, I think Joe had a really nice presentation of that beforehand uh, you need to go talk to him I think it was like a cheerleader you know rooting me on like that's how you need to uh, listen to a sermon right there I, I liked that quite a bit so if you want to do that feel free tonight but no we think of how to listen how to listen to God's word you think of some moments in Scripture that may seem somewhat joking to us, but are really indica indicative of some that weren't really closely paying attention. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 9, we are introduced to a young man named Eutychus, who, he, while we know Paul preached for a long time, he also fell asleep. And so he fell asleep and he fell out the window and Paul thankfully was able to raise him from the dead. That's one reason why we don't have two-story church buildings in a lot of places. And that we, uh, if that happens to you, I might be able to preach a long time. Uh, but if you fall asleep and you break your neck, I can't help you like Paul did. 
But we read about that. We may get tired during that long-winded preacher's sermon and fall asleep. That may indicate something that we are not listening as we should. In Acts chapter 17, in Acts the 17th chapter, when Paul was in the city of Thessalonica, he was preaching. And it says in Acts chapter 17 and in verse 5, But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them. And they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Some people just get angry. And they only know how to try to get this mob mentality and find other people who are angry at what was spoken. And so then we want to have an uprising, if you will against those who might preach the Word of God and maybe falsely accuse the preacher of he's turning the world upside down, he's creating havoc, he's creating all sorts of problems. Yet others may think the preacher's just gone crazy. In Acts chapter 26, in Acts the 26th chapter, as the Apostle Paul was standing trial as he was before Agrippa and he was presenting a defense for himself, in Acts chapter 26 and in verse 24, it says, While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth, for the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Some people that, when they hear sobering words of truth from God's Word, they don't know how to react. They only know it to be something that sounds foreign to them, so foreign that it may seem a little crazy or a little wild or a little out there for them. Sadly, some people when they hear God's Word, they grow sorrowful. In Luke chapter 18, in Luke, the 18th chapter, when we are introduced to the rich young ruler, in Luke chapter 18 and in verse 23, after Jesus had told him to go sell all that he had and to give to the poor, if he was going to truly follow Jesus, it says in verse 23, but when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Sometimes when we hear God's Word, the challenge to change is too great. And we think, I can't do that. That's asking too much. And so we don't respond how we should. We turn away. We give up. We don't want to listen anymore. Those are just a few examples of different kinds of responses that hearing God's Word or hearing instruction, whether it be in a formal sermon or not, can... Cause. How do we react when we hear God's Word? Those are things that we ought to think about. And so tonight I want us to think about some tips and some strategies that would better prepare us to listen to a sermon or a Bible class or any kind of moment where we are seeking instruction or knowledge from God's Word. 
How can we have a better reaction than some of these examples that we have seen? And I also want us to realize as we think about this, you know, many times we think of the preacher's job is maybe to hold our attention and be captivating and that he is to uh, have all this responsibility. He needs to preach the word accurately. He needs to stand for the truth, but he also needs to make it something that I can stand to listen to. And maybe that, there is some truth in all of that. But we also need to think about our responsibility as listeners, don't we? And it's not just a one-way street, this is a two-way street. There are responsibilities that we have sitting and listening. This is something that we have a responsibility, all of us as students of God's Word, that we all have the responsibility in how we listen. And are we ready to put this into action? Are we ready to truly hear what is being spoken? And are we going to give it a fair hearing? Are we going to react in just a way that's emotional and we don't want to uh, have anything to do with it and so we are just going to get upset and angry at the person who's delivering it? Or are we going to think of our listening as not just something that's a passive thing, but it's something that we are actively engaged in. There's a very different kind of way that we need to think about listening if we're going to consider it as an active participation throughout our service and throughout our time as a Christian, as a disciple. We need to be prepared and equipped to hear God's Word. And so we want to think about some things this evening. And I want you to turn to the book of James in James chapter 1. That's where we are going to begin our study in James chapter 1 this evening. The first thing that I think we need to do is if we're going to be listening to a sermon appropriately, we need to respond intentionally. We need to plan, how am I going to respond? Now we may not know all the specifics because we may not know exactly what we are going to hear that day, but we do need to have a very intentional way that we are going to react. In James chapter 1, I want you to notice the context here of what James is saying. As he begins in verse 18, he says, In the exercise of his will that is God's, well, he, of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. We may be thinking, what is James talking about here? But I want you to notice that he says, In the exercise of God's will, he brings us forth, or he has brought us forth. It is the idea, some translations might say, He beget us or He begot us. It's the language of new birth. That we are born again as we, by God's will. And notice how that is accomplished. He says, by the word of truth. The word of truth is what brings us forth. It's what gives us new life. That the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, it is what creates us anew. It's what gives us spiritual life when we hear the gospel of God's word. The good news of Jesus Christ. That is what gives us spiritual life. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. In Romans 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so James is just reiterating that same point right there in James 1 and verse 18, that the word of truth, the gospel, that is what saves us, it's what creates us anew, it's what gives us new life. 
And so he continues on in verse 19. He says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so many times we read James 1 and verse 19, and while I think it is a perfectly good uh, application that you know, whenever we're driving down the road, boy, I need to really be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, right? I don't need, or if I'm engaged in an argument with someone, I need to abide by those principles. I think we treat that as a general proverb sometimes. But I think right here in this context, what James is really trying to get us to see is how do you respond whenever you hear God's Word, that Word of truth that is able to give us new life and save our souls? How do you respond to it whenever you hear it? And in light of some of the reactions that we saw when people get angry at people who preach God's Word and when they say something that doesn't seem to fit with what we already think, boy, we, we're not so quick to hear, are we? We're quick to, to be angry. We, and we want to speak up very fast. And what I think he's trying to get us to see is that we have a responsibility in how we listen. We need to be quick to hear and we need to be slow to speak and slow to anger. And when he goes, he's speaking about our desire to, and our response. And we can, when we hear God's word, it is going to produce within us the desire to respond or in some way. We're either going to try to defend ourselves or, and because we're angry, or we're going to hear it and try to change ourselves. And that's when he goes on in this context. He says in verse 21, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. As he's admonishing the brethren to put away evil and, and wickedness, you need to change when you hear God's word. Even if there are things that are challenging to you that you don't always agree with or you don't always like, you need to change. He goes on in verse 22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Now we see there is a responsibility that we have to hear. We need to be sure that we have intentionally come here tonight or any time that we hear God's Word presented. That we are coming with the purpose that we want to grow. We want to learn. That we're not going to just be quick to get angry and quick to go on the defense and go on the prowl, but we need to come with the appropriate attitude. We need to be very intentional about that. Because when you hear God's Word, you have a choice of how you will respond. We all have that choice. And you need to be prepared and ready to come hear God's Word with the right intention, with the right attitude. 
Because he warns us there in verse 20 that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That if we're going to just get angry, that doesn't help anyone, does it? It doesn't help us draw closer to the Lord. It doesn't help us draw closer to the Lord's salvation. It doesn't do anything that would be beneficial to us. In fact, that kind of anger is going to lead us away from God's righteousness. We need to be patient. We need to have self-control. Those are the things that will help. And we need to have that intentional response that we are going to be quick to hear. And slow to speak and slow to wrath. That is the kind of intentional response that is required. Because sometimes many people do not come prepared to hear God's Word. You know, I always got... As a child, I always thought it was a little funny because my dad, he, if there was a day of the week, I, my parents, they were kind of easy on bedtime and that kind of thing when I was, I was a kid. I mean, I didn't get to stay up to midnight or one o'clock when I was young, but I had to go to bed. They weren't just too firm. But on Saturday nights, oh boy, that changed. Saturday night was a different beast. By like... 7 30 8 o'clock my dad was like go get ready for bed I'm like why it's still young the night's still young there's some still some some stuff i want to go do tomorrow's the lord's day you need to be prepared maybe we probably expect the preacher to be prepared to preach the sermon the bible class teacher to be prepared to preach or teach the class we expect people to have a responsibility to come and be prepared. We expect our worship leaders to be prepared to lead in worship and in song, don't we? We expect that from them. How many of us come prepared to listen to God's Word? Because if you take some time and do some evaluation and some preparation you can be ready to hear God's Word in the way that is best appropriate. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. We need to be planning and preparing. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that every teacher, every preacher is going to always say the things that are in the best way. We probably know that, don't we? Teachers will have a misstep. They will misspeak. They will not speak perfectly all the time. And so preachers, teachers, elders, deacons, we must always be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There are going to be times that we mess up. And James addresses that. He, he talks about that responsibility, the heavy responsibility that is upon those who might lead and teach. In James chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. That we have this admonition to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, that applies to everyone, to preachers, teachers as well. I might misspeak. I might say something incorrectly at some time. 
I hope if it's scriptural enough, you know, in a, in a scriptural objection, that there was something that I said that was contradictory to God's Word, that you would bring that to my, to my attention. Because I might need to offer further clarification. I might even need to make correction. I need to be humble enough to receive that correction. I think about in the book of Acts, in the 18th chapter, when Priscilla and Aquila approached Apollos, and how they came to him, and how he was willing to receive that kind of gentle correction. We need that. But we need to have it in the right attitude, and that needs to be done in the right way. And if we prepare ourselves to be intentional in how we hear God's Word, if we're going to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, if we hear it the right way, then we're going to hopefully respond in the right way, especially whenever it comes to offering that correction and instruction to those who might misspeak at times. So the first thing is that we need to respond intentionally. The second thing is, if we're going to listen the right way, we need to ask questions. Now, generally speaking, the way that sermons are conducted, you don't get a Q&A session and that kind of thing. But we need to be asking questions in some way, in some form, because that shows that we're listening, doesn't it? It shows that we're thinking and that we're meditating and we're thinking, well, he says this, so what about this situation? Those kinds of things. Our te- whenever we ask questions, it's indicative that we are paying attention. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17, In Acts chapter 17, we marvel so many times at the example of the Bereans, but I want you to notice in Acts chapter 17 and in verse 11, as Paul and Silas have traveled to Berea, escaping and fleeing from Thessalonica, it says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. What impresses me so much is that when we come to hear a sermon, what do these people do? They are actively engaged in the learning process, aren't they? They are described first off as being noble-minded. They have the, the mindset that they want to learn. They want to listen. They might even want some correction when, when necessary. And so they want to have that. They have this desire to learn. And you see that because they are eager, it says. And they receive the word with, eager, with great eagerness. Not even just eagerness, but with great eagerness. How many times do we just come and we're, we pop ourselves down and we're like, well, we've got to listen to that preacher again. We've got to listen to another sermon. He's probably going to go longer than I want him to. Y'all can laugh at that a little bit. Not too much, though. But how many times are we eager How many times are we like, yes, this is what I get to do on the Lord's Day. I get to learn. I get to study from God's Word. How many times do we look forward to that? I'm not saying I have to be the highlight of your weekend or anything like that, but is this a highlight of our week where we get to come and we get to open God's Word and study from it? Are 
Are we eager? And then do we open the book? Do we examine what is said? Where it says that they examining the Scriptures daily. We need to open up God's Word. We need to open the Scriptures. We need to read them. We need to study them. And obviously there may be hindrances to, to Bible study, especially in a setting like this where we might have little children that scream or don't always act the way that we think they ought to and we can't always pay attention. We can't always take notes as best as we might want. But the example of the Bereans, it shows us the responsibility that we each have to listen to instruction. That hearing God's Word is much more than just being someone who sits in the chair and keeps it warm. It is something that we are actively engaged in and we have a responsibility. And we see that it says that they were they examined God's Word. They examined the Scriptures. To me, that idea of examining, it's more than just reading it, isn't it? It's more than just reading God's Word. It's examining it. It's asking questions. It's, asking, it's thinking critically. It's engaging with it and thinking about what does this mean? How does this look in my life? What kind of areas do I need to be improving in my life because of this truth that I'm acknowledging and seeing here in Scripture? What does this look like as a congregation? How can we improve as God's people? It's thinking very proactively. It's thinking very forwardly about how can I continue to do what is appropriate. And so we see that here. And so we need to be asking questions when we hear things. When we engage with God's Word, we need to ask, we need to think, what can I do that would better and improve my service to God based upon what this passage of Scripture might teach? In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, we see that as Jesus was just a 12-year-old boy, as he had been left in Jerusalem, and we know that story, I'm sure. But what is amazing is Mary and Joseph, as they come back and they are looking for Jesus, they come back to Jerusalem and they find Him after three days in the temple. And what has always struck me here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 46, it says that he was, he was with the teachers of the temple and He was there both listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus knew how to listen. Isn't that amazing? Jesus knew how to listen. And what does he do? He's also asking questions. And what just has always come into my mind as we see Jesus later on interact with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there are times where you know He is in conflict with them and their teachings. And I can't help but wonder, was He kind of in having some questions about that? You know, maybe He was asking some probing questions and kind of you know, poked a hole in some of their arguments and some of their ideas. But you know, whenever we hear something that we might disagree with, you know one of the best things that you could ever do? Ask a question. Just ask a question. 
Well, I don't agree with that. Instead of getting angry and upset about it, ask a question. Ask something that you think contradicts and say, well, what about this? Or what about in this, that case? Be like Jesus. Ask questions. That's how we listen. That's how we learn. That's how we're going to draw closer to knowing the truth that is in God's Word. A third thing that we need to do is we need to practice humility. Turning back to James chapter 1, I want you to notice there in James, the first chapter, as James is speaking about our reactions to God's Word and hearing the Word of truth. And as he's warned about the anger of man does not, not achieving the righteousness of God, he says in James 1 and verse 21, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You know, it's not good enough to just hear God's word. You have to have the right attitude. You have to be humble about it. We have to be humble. And when we approach any study of God's Word, whatever the method might be in a Bible class, in a lecture, in a sermon, something, we have to approach God's Word with great humility. If we aren't humble when we come to hear God's Word, then hearing God's Word ought to make us humble. Because there are going to be times where we just may not understand what is spoken or what is being taught. Where maybe it's over our head, maybe it's something that we just don't really seem to firmly grasp. Maybe we don't even agree with it, with what we've heard. Because we just don't understand. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verses 15 and 16, notice what Peter says here. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 15, he says, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they also do the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. The Apostle Paul wrote some things that are just hard to understand. There are things that he wrote that I'm still trying to figure out what exactly he meant. I'm sure if you've read Paul, you understand the same thing. Because we may not get it on the first try or the second try or the third try. There are some things that are hard to, to really get our minds wrapped around. And if I don't understand something, I need to be humble, don't I? I need to be humble in what I might say in any critique or criticism that I might offer. I need to be humble and recognize my own weakness there in whatever evaluation I might offer. We need to be humble because we may not hear exactly the, to the best of our ability. Maybe we didn't hear, you know, like 
it just didn't register. We just kind of missed it. But then sometimes when we hear, we hear, but we don't really hear. This is what we see in it so many times in the Gospels, don't we? With Jesus and His interaction with the apostles. In Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew chapter 13, and in verse 13, Jesus says here, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. This is not a unique problem to our day and age. Jesus says, I can speak and someone can hear, but they don't really hear. They don't really understand. And we see that illustrated so well in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 8, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus began in the beginning of this chapter, he fed the the 4,000 on this occasion. And then he has some interaction with the Pharisees. And they are asking him about a sign and things of that nature. And it says in verse 15, that as Jesus... uh, Well, let's begin in verse 14. So then they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders, verse 15, to them, saying, Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So that obviously led to the discussion in verse 16. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Do you see what happened? Jesus, he, well, the apostles and Jesus, they travel. And no one brings the bread. And then Jesus says, hey, you guys need to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And so they obviously start talking about who forgot the bread. Come on. That's obviously what Jesus meant there. See, they heard, but they didn't hear. Because in verse 17, And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? And as you continue on, in verse 21, he says, And he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? He's not talking to them about physical bread and leaven. He's talking to them about the influence of the Pharisees and Herod. Sometimes we mishear things, don't we? And even when we mishear, because we don't understand, it kind of just flies right over our head. We need to be careful. We need to be humble. Because sometimes we might say, well, I didn't agree with that preacher. I didn't agree with that Mr. Bible class teacher. From Mrs. Bible class teacher. We, we, we have a problem with, with something that we hear. Something doesn't quite register. Maybe it's that they're speaking on a different level or a different plane. And we need to kind of come up to that level. That's what Jesus challenges apostles to do.
And then we need to be humble because when we hear God's word, we may be forced to change. We may be forced to repent. We may have to correct our life. In James 1, where we began just a few moments ago in this section, in James 1 and verse 21, Therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Sometimes we have to clear out the weeds of our life. We need to be willing to do that. We have to be ready. And we need to have the right kind of attitude if we're going to do that. As Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 2, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 1, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. There are going to be some times that we have to clear out our life. We have to clean it up. And when we are told that, when we are hearing some kind of rebuke that we don't like, we need to be humble. We need to say, you know, I didn't like to hear that, but I needed to hear that. I need to change. I need to clean up my life. I need to do what's right. We need to be humble as we hear God's Word and as we think about it and what it might mean for us in our life and how might we respond. Humility. That will change a lot of our responses to God, to how we might listen to a sermon. Why do we even need to listen? Maybe that's what you're thinking. Why do we even need to listen to God's Word? Why do we need to listen to a sermon? Why do we need to pay attention to a Bible class? You know, I think I can just learn just fine on my own from home. I don't need this. Well, if you don't see the need in it, maybe you don't. But God sees value in it. I think that's interesting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God sees value in the message being spoken through human vessels through the preaching of God's Word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. He's saying if this was just about God, then it could, you know, God's glory and His power just outshines everything. 
But we have this knowledge of, of the Gospel and it's found in earthen vessels, in the human vessels that would preach and teach and communicate. Because all you have to do is know that the power's not in me. Boy, I fumble over words all the time. We know that. Even the best speaker is going to fumble over what he says at some time. How do we know that the power is with God? Because of that. The power of the Word to change lives, it's found in God's power. God sees value in a presentation of God's Word from amongst ourselves. We need to also listen to become a doer of the Word. In James chapter 1, verses 22-25, he talks about as we read God's Word, we are looking into it like a mirror. That we're not supposed to just be a hearer of God's Word, but we need to be intentional that we're going to be putting it into practice. That might mean that we need to change, that we might need to add something to our life that would be helpful and good and beneficial. We need to become a doer of the Word. That's why we listen. And that's how we need to prepare ourselves that we're not coming just to learn just academically. That we're coming to learn so that I can leave here a better person. Closer to God. Stronger in our relationships with one another. And we need to avoid the trap of one of the dangers of listening. Sometimes we listen to become a critic. There might be times that we do need to rebuke someone or say, hey, I think you got this wrong. There may be times where that's needed. How many times do we come to genuinely listen? In Luke chapter 20, in Luke chapter 20 and in verse 33, Jesus had been asked by the Sadducees this kind of puzzling situation, this hypothetical situation about the resurrection. And they asked this question in verse 33, In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be for all seven and married her? And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore because they are like angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. And so that's Jesus' reply here. But he continues on. Notice in verse 40 as he begins to ask them some questions and as he begins to make an argument from the Old Testament Scriptures. He says in verse 40, "...for they did not have courage to question Him any longer about anything." He poked a, a hole in their balloon, didn't he? In their whole argument. Just by asking some questions. By turning it around on them. And now they are like, oh, we don't want to ask anything anymore. In verse 45, it says, And while all the peoples were listening, 
He said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Sometimes we just like to keep up with our appearance. But we're really this harsh, overbearing, unfair hypocritical critic. We're not honest in our search for the truth. Jesus calls it out. Some people don't listen honestly with the intent of change. They want to just become a critic. Don't be like that. We need to listen Because we want to be honest. We want to draw closer to God. We want to have a better understanding of His will for us in our lives. Listen to God's Word. If I didn't find value in it, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be preaching and teaching. Listen to God's Word. It's valuable. God says it's valuable. If we're going to draw closer to Him become a doer of the word we need to listen intently and honestly God's word is spoken to us it's taught so that it can touch our lives and change our hearts Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, the Hebrew writer tells us. The Gospel is God's power to save. When we understand hearing God's Word is something that doesn't happen by accident. It needs to be very intentional. We need to come ready to hear and listen. We need to be eager to do so. Because the Word of God is able to judge and divide our thoughts and intentions and our actions. We are judged by the words of the Gospel. Notice in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 12, In John chapter 12, it's this final passage for us to consider this morning, or this evening. John chapter 12 and verse 48. Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings as one who judges him, the word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. The words of Christ will judge us. Are you listening to them? Do you hear them today? But not even do you hear them. How do you hear them? Do you hear them intentionally and with a good attitude? Do you inquire honestly and eagerly to learn what God wants? Do you hear God's Word humbly and introspectively 
to see where you need to change and apply God's Word. Hopefully that's how we listen to a sermon, to a Bible class. And if you're hearing God's Word on a regular basis, but you're not becoming a doer of God's Word, then you're still not listening correctly. We need to be ready to hear. We need to listen with the right way so that the Word of God is able to be as effective in our life as it possibly can be. It can save your soul if you will let, let it. If you will listen in the way that's appropriate. This evening, as we've been speaking about God's Word and hearing it, if you are ready to hear it and become a doer, if you're ready to become a Christian, we're ready to help you. If you need to have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism, the water is ready. We want to help you. Tonight, if you're a child of God, but you've not been serving the Lord faithfully, and you have sin in your life, or maybe you've been discouraged with the temptations that are continued to plague you, will you not let us know? Confess those things. We're here to help you and pray for you, encourage you in whatever way we possibly can. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?